Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and on today's show, folks, our holiday hodgepodge. How's it going, Ron? Good, Ed, on the eve of the eve of Christmas Eve. Um, there we go. It, we need more days in December. My stack is still kind of bulging, so stack of stuff. Well, let, let's 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 do uh, at least uh, dig some in and maybe clear you out a little bit before the end of the year. And I think you know, then you just reset at the beginning of the year, Ron. Just throw everything out and just start over. I know it just seems like so much stuff is happening that I, I don't know. There's been so many really good articles from different places on different things that I know we can chat about. So. All right. Well, let's jump in. Get what do you got? What do you got? Well, well, this came across right before we went live a little bit before, and uh, the first uh, American hostage to die in Hamas captivity. I don't know if you heard about that. I did not. No. Yeah. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gadi uh, Hagai. Um, mm-hmm. Seventy years old. He's survived by four children, seven grandchildren, and his wife. Um, who was also, she remains in Hamas captivity, but Israeli um, IDF officials believe he's dead. And um, there's still 120 people in Gaza, um, and 21 of them are thought dead, according to Israel. And I don't know, they they gave him a, a deal that Hamas rejected to release 40 hostages, including the remaining 19 women and two children held in Gaza. But mm. it was re- it was refused, so, and that happened on Wednesday. So I don't know, but yeah, the first American uh, casualty that that we know of has been confirmed. Very very sad and unfortunate that whole situation. You know, it, it continues to confound me. What what's going on? And it's very simple answer. Is like release the hostages. If you want a ceasefire? Pretty pretty straightforward. I'm not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's really hard about this. I'm a simple but, guy. I mean, this makes sense to me, you know. But, um, and and I don't know. Ed, this is this is disturbing too. I sorry to start off on a bummer, but I, it just this we just gotta get get this out of the way. But a new poll from YouGov and The Economist they mm-hmm. often pair up and yep, and they're yep. they're pretty pretty well respected polling outfit. Yes. Um, they did. They did a poll of young Americans, and I don't know the sample size. They didn't. They didn't mention that, and they usually do. Um, but they found that that young Americans are remarkably ignorant about the Holocaust. Twenty percent. Some twenty percent of respondents um, think that the Holocaust is a myth. Twenty percent. Twenty percent. Eight percent of those aged thirty to forty-four. Um, and then, uh, a bunch of them think that Jews wield too much power, <laughs> 28 versus 6%. Um, if, if you look at the 65 and older group, um, 
and, and the economist says education levels do not appear to be the culprit. Holocaust is a myth is similar across all levels of uh, education. Social media may play a role in this. Um, 32% of 18 to 29 year olds get their news primarily from TikTok, which is ripe with conspiracy theories. Um, I, I don't know. I just find this kind of alarming. So I, so I, let me, let me, let me push back a little on the whole TikTok thing, just because okay. it, 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 look, push I, back I don't, on everything. I don't, I'm, I don't, I don't have TikTok. I actually did not, do not allow my kids to have TikTok. Uh, I just I, on, on the general principles, I don't like the fact that, that it's influenced by the Chinese communist party. And that has another stack and story that was or story in my stack that we need to deal with in regard to that as well. But I will also say this for my kids, and and I don't know if this is better or worse, but they assume stuff is fake. They assume that the stuff that they're getting fed on a from a dietary standpoint on on TikTok is, is fake, and it, it it and they have to be proven otherwise. Now you might say that that's not a good thing either because that's lead leads to cynicism, and that everything's fake, and there are things that are real. But I think there's an interesting frame there in that older folks, maybe you and me included, but certainly our parents, they're, they're, they're more apt to say if we see something in an image because of when we were brought up on TV that we're likely to believe it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Whereas they're now seeing these images and going, well, that's probably faked. <laughs> yeah. Inclu- including reading. I mean, if you read it in the paper, it had to be true, right? Right. So what what we need, and look, the, the, the history of this is really interesting. Going back to the earliest days of the printing press, you know, Ron, when they started the printing press, you know, they can they can print lies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So just because it was printed doesn't mean it was true. Yep. And and I think that 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 what what happened was over time we developed systems and institutions for discernment. So we started to, to find, say, okay, we trusted this news source we, we, or we knew that this was leaning in one particular direction and therefore would take it with a partial grain of salt because we knew that the, where their bias was. And I think we're, we're, we, have, we just haven't caught up with that from a social media perspective. Quite frankly, the, the thing that I liked best of what Elon Musk has done with X is allow for community, the community to rate the veracity of a story. That where they'll they'll pipe in on and then if it's if it gets enough negative press they'll say you know this this is being questioned by the community right and I and I think that that's a good thing I think that's that's the, the way it really should work you know to me the answer to 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 bad speech is more more free speech sure is sure. is not to try to 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 uh, to stop it um, you know and and I, and I think that that's a, that's a really interesting thing our, our you know, one of the the folks that we follow over at the Atlas Institute, Tom Palmer, he he disagrees on this. He 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 thinks that the, we should not give free speech to those who don't give free speech, which is an interesting way of looking the, at it. The, the groups, groups, yeah, right, that, that we, right, yeah, groups that you know, like the Nazis or the communists that they wouldn't allow free speech. That'd be the first thing they'd pull if they were in power. He doesn't right. think members representing those groups should have. Right free speech, free right? Speech. So, so it's like yeah. we 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 tolerate everything but intolerance, kind of deal. Yeah, but uh, I still kind of think no. It it, it I I definitely follow the slip slippery slope argument on that. 
with regard yeah. to free speech. I'm a very much an abs- absolutist. This made me think, Ed. Um, I mean, it, it's 18 to 29 year olds that said, you know, 20% of that group doesn't, that they think the Holocaust is a myth. And it made me start to think, when, can you remember when you first learned about the Holocaust? Because I was really racking my brain about this. Uh, specifically, and, no, but probably, you know, in, in, in seventh or eighth grade in a, that, in a history class, I mean, I would imagine. That's what I came up with. I don't think I you might have saw something on TV or, you know, you might have saw a movie or something that had bits of it, but it didn't really hit home until for me, probably the seventh or eighth grade, you know, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. But um, I don't know if these if 18 to 29, though, I can't imagine. One yeah, I, it just, you know, go, go, go back. And it, it was 38 percent of people believe that Elvis was alive. So, yeah, I, I know. I, yeah. <laughs> I know. And they didn't give the sample size and they didn't say oh, if this was online or, you know, mm-hmm. so who knows, but uh, so I don't want to make too much of this, but I will tell you another great thing. Well, it's not a great thing, but I think it's, <laughs> I think this is a wonderful line from Jim Garrity from national review. He's talking about, you know, what was going on in the past few days. And this was, th- this was the university presidents, you know, their testimony. Oh, right. Uh-huh. And, and, and he said, uh, you know, Many college students have no idea what they're chanting, you know, the river to the sea. And I've got more data on that. that Most people can't even identify the rivers <laughs> when they, when they, some Berkeley or the sea. The pole. <laughs> yeah, no, they can't, they can't identify either. And when they're shown a map, they, t- a lot of them change their mind. But so Garrity's talking about that. He says, it turns out that many college students have no idea what they're chanting about when they say from the river to the sea. And then he says, University presidents have cut themselves to ribbons walking through a plate glass Overton window. That's a great line. That's a great line. I well, now you have to now you have to explain what the Overton window is, Ron. Well, that's uh, isn't that have to do with where where the country stands on an issue and it's being the, what is the the, the, the window the window is the size was, of what is the acceptable considered acceptable political thought. Right. right, and right. The, the window it, can open or close, or can close. shift left and right, even. Uh, right. That, so that's what is what is what is considered within right and range for the for acceptable political thought. Yeah. And then he he did point out from a New York Times article, um, some reporter Nick Confessor said conservatives were right all along, and Garrity says that's as close as we're ever going to get from the New York Times. Um, but they quote uh, Sam Altman and. He says, for a long time, I said that anti-Semitism, particularly on the American left, was not as bad as people claimed. Head, um, head of AI, I, uh, you know, obviously, he said, mm-hmm. I'd like to just state that I was totally wrong. <laughs> right. So Sam Altman wrote that. So, yeah, he's been really upset at what's been going on. So anyway, just um, thought that was kind of interesting. Um, so I have a quick one, Ron. I just want to get in. This is we have only got two minutes left in this segment, though. But this is a, f- a follow up to something that we talked about on one of our bonus episodes. And for those of you out there who don't know what that is, check out patreon.com slash TSOE, where you can sign up for our Patreon channel. One of the benefits that you get at our top mid tier level is access to our bonus episodes, which Ron and I record after each show. So uh, I think this is back about three or four weeks ago. We talked about how Airbnb has been effectively banned in New York City. Well, wouldn't you know, Ron, that hotel prices are through the roof in New York City this year. Uh, absolutely insane. People can't find hotels. <laughs> they're, they're, they're clamped down. The last two weeks are up 25% year over year. 
So this law had the exact in- intended uh, or got, got the exact benefits that was intended from it, which is to help the hotel industry. That's true. I wonder if Beyonce and Taylor are doing anything in New York, because um, according to the Philadelphia Federal Reserve, they're responsible for the resurgence in the hotel industry in Philadelphia mm-hmm. because of their <laughs> concerts. It's amazing. Yep. The average nightly cost in New York City swelled from $416 to $477 from December 22 to December 23. That's the average. And that's that's a significant increase. I mean, that's that's more than a, 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 a 15% increase. Almost 20. Wow. I hand so. it to the hotels, man. They are great pricers. Well, yeah, but yeah. but this to me is that's a little little bit of a a, a a putt for help a helping hand from the the New York Business Association, right? That oh, shut yeah. down these Airbnbs. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure, for sure. Anyway, up against our first break, want to remind those listening that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. The website is The Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows. Our first break here is sponsored by Bookskeeping Franchise. That's bookskeeping with an X, franchise.com. I want you to also take a moment to rate this podcast, and you can do that by going to ratethispodcast.com slash TSOE. But right now, a word from our sponsors. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Ron, we talk a lot about business opportunities. Well, now a great one has become our sponsor. Bookskeepingfranchise.com. Bookskeeping with an X. That's right, Ed. If you are interested in becoming part of the $4.2 billion bookkeeping industry for a franchise fee of just under $20,000, visit www.bookskeepingfranchise.com. Bookskeeping comes with full training, plus marketing and technical support, and even staffing. Visit the website or call 855-935-2669. Franchise opportunity not available in all states. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. You 
You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're doing a holiday hodgepodge, I guess, Ed, and uh, you probably saw this. A federal jury in Washington, D.C. ordered Rudy Giuliani to pay $148 million, <laughs> which includes $75 million in punitive damages to two Fulton County, Georgia poll workers for defaming them in the aftermath of the 2020 election. He, de- he declined to testify in his own defense because he's got criminal charges pending against him also in Georgia. Um, it's likely the courts will probably reduce that figure, but um, it's going to wipe out the fortune that was left after he left Gracie Mansion. So, but his reputation is just gone. I mean, America's mayor, geez. Yeah. What a, what a shambles that was just to watch him rise and fall. I mean, just amazing. Well, Um, surrounding the Trump presidency, which is, you know, it's just, weird and sad at the same time you know he went to i think we talked about this we went to went to high school with my dad oh really yeah yep yep yep. he was actually he was actually a year or two behind my father at uh, bishop lachlan high school in in brooklyn oh wow okay mm -hmm. well and this is the sad one the show trial of jimmy Lai, 76 year old hong Uh, kong pro democracy he recently began his conviction is a near certainty i mean you know that the the prosecutor brags about having a hundred percent prosecution rate. I don't know of any prosecutor that should be bragging about a hundred percent prosecution rate, but you know, um, this, this means that Jimmy could spend the rest of his life in prison. He's already been in jail for over a thousand days. They got him on some stupid lease fraud, uh, thing that was just ridiculous. Cause he sublet part of Apple daily offices to somebody in violation of I don't know, some clause. And it was just, it, so they threw him in, in, in jail for that and, and no bail, you know, and mm-hmm. this trial, they say, we're not even going to know the verdict until mid next year. And then the sentence will come down months after that. So it could be, it could be this time next year mm-hmm. when we know what the final outcome of this is, but it doesn't yeah. look good. No, it doesn't. And, and he, I mean, he's, I think that first trial, he was convicted and sentenced to five years. So, and he's 76 years old. So I think the way he's looking at his life sentence stacked on top of that isn't much of a difference. Right. (laughs) I'm sure it is. Yeah. And, and he hopefully wants to send a message and let's, let's hope that people pick up the cause and including the current pontiff, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, his son's, you know, doing everything he can. I think he's in Britain. Um, and, of course, Jimmy's got a British passport. Mm-hmm. and British, uh, British citizenship. He's a British yeah, citizen, yeah, not yeah, just a passport. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, and, uh, you know, the other thing is the, the that uh, the state has a $100,000 bounty on these protesters that have fled. You know, the mm-hmm. ones that, including an American citizen <laughs> right. that's here. And then a couple in Australia and, and, you know, they're going to hound these people for the rest of their lives. Probably. Um, it's uh, just, well, dare I say, Ron, you and I have said enough on this show that there's no way either of us is getting into China. Uh, I, I certainly think yeah. I would not go if. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've done it once and no, I mean, 
there are things I'd love to see there, but it's an amazing country. But yeah. Oh yeah. yeah uh, this this overshadows everything to me. I mean, locking up Jimmy Lai is just this is an abomination. But well, this this brings me then to to this story that we talked a little bit about uh, previously, and and that is uh, Huawei and what they are are or have done or accused of having done. Uh, and to bring up Mike Munger's great podcast, The Answer to Is Transaction Cost, where his latest episode, he interviews John Pelson, who is the author of a book called Wireless Wars. And in this book, Ron, he, he, this guy Pelson says that we are effectively, a, it's a war with China and that what Huawei has done is sent us in basically infected devices that not many people know whether or not they can switch them off at any one time or, or feed, feed uh, information back to the Chinese communist party. And, you know, this of course then flies in the face of the last time we talked to George Gilder, who wrote an article, uh, the Huawei test, who was very defensive of Huawei and said that they, that, you know, they, they're, there's not, they're not, they're they're not doing anything wrong. Um, We, we got to, be careful about what we're, we're, we're doing. They've been audited by an American accounting firm. Not that that means anything, yeah, yeah, um, no kidding. you know, um, and I'm, I'm just curious as, as to has your thinking evolved on this? Cause I, I have to say that, that I, when George Gilder said, Hey, listen, I think this is copacetic. I would tend to agree with him. Um, but now I'm, I'm questioning myself on this and, and definitely want to read this guy's book and maybe we'll have him on in the new year because I'd love to talk to him about it. Yeah, I mean, what Gilder said, of course, confirmed my priors that, hey, this is technology, this is the free market, the Huawei's a great innovator, blah, 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 that market tested, right? Companies around the world, governments around the world buying their product, they've got to be doing something right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the other hand, yeah, when we started getting those reports, remember, we talked about this, about um, around our military bases, they have their cell towers or whatever, and they're basically you know tracking and it's like okay that put a chink in the armor and this this uh this show yeah i i think i've changed my mind on this always a threat um (laughs) and what he effectively said is is it was she was trying to enlist munger on this because munger has he's been on the show three times is also a free market guy and says hey you know free Free trader free free trader for sure but that he he this this guy seems to intimate that that the the Chinese government is effectively subsidizing Huawei in the name of of this electronic warfare and getting this stuff out and the reason why it's so cheap and better is not not because it's cheap and better but because the government is is funding it well right and as and as Munger talks about with transaction costs you know trust triangulation and transfer right mm-hmm. those and, and he said look we, you know we can't trust these people and when you can't trust these people the transaction costs are just too damn high no matter how good the product is or how cheap it is no matter what the the you know the price is mm-hmm. the trust is just too high so um yeah I found that guy pretty persuasive actually and I bet his book would be persuasive mm-hmm. um I'd still like to get Gilder's opinion of, on it. See if he's changed his mind. Um, right. But yeah, it, it's um, yeah. I, this is where I think the free trade stuff kind of goes out the window. There is a national security argument. I know mm-hmm. it can be taken too far. I know we try and justify it for everything. Mark Rubio justifying it for sugar subsidies. And now you're seeing it with steel. They're trying to block this uh, U.S. steel, Nippon steel deal. Right. Takeover. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, Geez, Japan, 
<laughs> and and yeah. the United States are you know one of our greatest allies. And uh, why would you want to block this? And anyway, so but yeah, I think I think in Huawei's case, it's pretty clear. So yeah, I I love to see absolute proof that I haven't seen yet. So I'm I'm still keeping my mind open. But yeah, yeah, but it's um yeah, it's pretty pretty obvious. But uh, yeah. Um, well, Ed, this is interesting. This is out of The Economist. I couldn't believe this. You know, The Economist has been shocking me lately, just with all sorts of different things on different topics. But this is from December 2nd. It's called The Blue Collar Bonanza. And it starts this way. The belief that capitalism is rigged to benefit the wealthy and punish workers is, is just conventional wisdom. Mm-hmm. And they say, but is it true? The argument that inequality is rising in the rich world has become flimsier. Wage gaps are shrinking. They say a blue-collar bonanza is underway. Research after taxes and government transfers show that American inequality has barely increased since the 1960s. And, um, you know, they talk about AI bots being a bigger productivity boost for lower performers. This is going to help the laggards catch up. And the bonanza for workers shows governments need not shackle markets for workers to do well. The best route to prosperity is to increase the size of the economic pie. If you fight over too much distribution, you risk bringing the golden age to a premature end. This <laughs> this blew my mind. This is the economists. They're all over inequality on all sorts of different levels. Then they so they go out to Piketty, of course, and Piketty says. Um, you know, he, he thinks this is a ridiculous argument. He says, I don't think that inequality denial after climate denial is a very promising road to follow, but there's Gerald Alden of the treasury department and David splinter of the joint committee of taxation. They claim that, um, their research shows that inequality hasn't risen since the 1960s. And rather than getting 15% of the national income, the top 1% only take 9%. And again, that ratio hasn't changed in 60 some odd years. And Tyler Cowen said this, a uh, previous guest on Solo Enterprise, he said the Piketty and Saw's work is careless and politically motivated. <laughs> no kidding. And he says, this seems clearly correct to me. The, the, the two American guys research and uh, the economist ends by saying the idea that inequality is rising is very far from a self-evident truth. Good. Let's put a, let's put a nail in this coffin for crying out loud. I mean, not that it would matter to me if it was growing, I wouldn't care. I really Mm -hmm. wouldn't, but this, you know, because again, and there is another great book published on this this year by uh, the former Phil, you know, Phil Graham, the senator from Texas, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. with yep. somebody else. And they pointed out that, well, they, you know, these, these statistics that Piketty uses, they don't take into account transfer payments and they don't, they're, they're before tax. Mm-hmm. They're not after tax. And they right. only look at tax returns and they only look at households, whereas the Americans looked at individuals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, tax returns, heck, it's so hard to compute your taxable income anyway. There's a lot of judgment calls. There's a lot of deferrals and other games that are played. It's not a rep- good representation. They estimate that 30 to 40% of national incomes are not even ever reported on a tax return. <laughs> and we're not talking about the underground economy. We're just talking about the way the tax system works with employee mm-hmm. benefits and stuff like that. 
So yeah, uh, you know this is a convoluted issue, but oh geez, and as and as uh, Deirdre points out, Deirdre McClowski, that Piketty's uh, data doesn't include human capital of the workers. Eighty <laughs> percent of the world's wealth is left out of the income distribution. I don't know how you do that, but they did it. So yeah, this this just blew my mind though. The Economist is really coming out and going, no, this is not a self evident truth. Let's stop I, saying. I mean- I need to see if I can do some quick research on this, but uh, maybe I'll do it during the break when we come back. But but I, I I do sort of remember there being a story at one point that Piketty's book is the most most bought, least read yes book it, in Amazon history. Yes, yes, because they can track, <laughs> they how, can track. How, how far you read on Kindle for sure. Yeah, oh, it's true. It's true. I there think that's go. right. All right, but we're up against our break again, Ron. Want to remind our listeners they can contact us with one email. That is. Ask, A-S-K-T-S-O-E at Verisage.com. The website is The Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes, previews to upcoming shows, and all great stuff like that. We Our second break is sponsored by our friends at 90 Minds. If you want to find a mine, get one at 90minds.com. Of course, they are also a sponsor of our Patreon channel, which, again, I'll mention, patreon.com slash T-S-O-E. And at a certain level, you also can get a shout out. So check them out. Check out 90 Minds and check out the Patreon channel, patreon.com slash TSOE. But right now, a word from our sponsors. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are back on the Soul of Enterprise, and we're unpacking our stack of stuff at the end of the year just to clean some stuff out. And Ron, this is just a, a, a quick reminder that has has Costco, which uh, we've talked about when we do do our shows on subscription, earns now more than its profit in terms of membership fees. So the operating uh, profit of uh, of 
of Costco in, for 2020, uh, 22, I'm sorry, was was just under, I'm sorry, the operating profit was just under $8 billion. But their membership revenue was only four and a half billion. So they've that 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 has significantly increased in about ten years. Ten years ago, it was almost direct match, where it was right. their membership fee and operating profit were the same. Now their operating profits have almost doubled, uh, an eighty-one percent increase over the last five years. Costco. So who says big box is dead? And I, what I what I love what I love about this in-person shopping. Uh, they are, of course, doing uh, online as well. Uh, and but p- p- what what blows me away about Costco is when you really think about it. Ma- imagine somebody said to you, "Well, I've got this idea for a store. You have to pay a membership fee to just get in." Right, right. <laughs> I know. Yes. <laughs> Talk about counterintuitive. Uh, you're like, no, nobody's no. doing that. <laughs> Nobody, that's never going to work. Yeah. So. <clears throat> But I, so I just think that's interesting because we you know we we we'd have equated that and it's actually shifted over the last five years that it's a yeah. significant increase in their operating profit. It, you know, I'm a member and I never set foot in the place, Ed. But I do buy stuff offline. Do you think the online sales account you know, it, for it, that it, growth in the it, profit? Yeah, I think that that's certainly part of it. That is certainly part of it. But um, it, it, it's it's really just interesting the the, the way that the whole quasi private club seems to work. W- one of their biggest sellers this year, Ron, they only made 1% margin on, but they sold a ton of them. Uh, <laughs> one ounce gold bars. Mm. That was one of their biggest sellers in 2024. Wow. Yep. That's kind of a neat stocking stuffer. Yep. So yeah, it's like $2,000, but <laughs> it's, Oh, wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, yep. Good on Costco. They they have good stuff. Um, well, Ed, this this is this has been sitting in my stack so long. I can't believe it. From October seventh, The Economist again. Our free markets history. That was the cover story. Oh right, right, we, right. We, yeah. This just freaked me out. And they say okay, and they're calling it Homeland Economics, a protectionist, high subsidy intervention heavy ideology administered by an ambitious state we have fragile supply lines growing threats to national security the energy transition and the cost of living crisis have each demanded action by government lump them all together and the presumption of open markets and limited governments have been left in the dust and they say for this newspaper this is an alarming trend we were founded in 1843 to campaign for among other things free trade and a moderate role for government their special report and there's a whole special report on this which i'm not going to go through but it says we argue that homeland economics will ultimately prove to be a disappointment it misdiagnoses what has gone wrong it overburdens the state with unmeetable responsibilities and it will botch a period of rapid social and technological change um yeah, they talk about vast handouts during the pandemic, raised expectations that the state would be a bulwark against life's misfortunes. They talk about antitrust and activist regulators taking down nascent markets. I'm sure they're talking about AI. Micromanaging the energy transition, pooling of risk is essential, but not all risk for markets to work. Actions must have consequences, profit and loss, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and it just goes on and on, and they're like, you know, yeah, change can be can happen surprisingly swift. And uh, you know, they said uh, people enjoy spending other people's money, but 
the government's got the government's got to get out of the way of this stuff. It can't it can't protect itself to prosperity, tax itself into prosperity. It was an amazing special report. It really was. It was like I don't know who it, it felt like I was reading Hayek or Mises. I'm not kidding or Friedman. <laughs> it was like wow, wow. And it's like every page was something that was like wow, that's a really good point. Um, and I was just surprised to see it in the economist because it included the whole energy transition. Mm. And I've got another story in the stack on that, uh, you know, cause they're talking about the Dubai, the cop 28 in, in Dubai just ended. Um, and you know, the 118 countries pledged to raise now get this Ed. They, they, we talked about this last week. They pledged to raise global renewable, renewable energy capacity to 11,000 gigawatts by 2030. They're at 3,400 gigawatts now, and they want to go to 11,000. They say that's the task of adding roughly 1,000 gigawatts every year, almost as much as the entire generating capacity of America. And they say that looks increasingly daunting. (laughs) Duh. Now, now, COP did mention nuclear, but the focus is on wind and solar mm-hmm. you know we're not going to build nuclear plants that fast although uh china's got some online that just went online we've got more mm-hmm. in the pipeline a bunch of countries have more in the pipeline that they're starting to build um but they talk about the average return on capital for solar and wind is a meager six <laughs> percent and and the european rules for permitting it takes longer than two years Everybody's mm-hmm. complaining about the permitting process. It's just, this is, this is like physically, physically, it's not going to happen. And mm-hmm. I would bet big on it. I'd bet yeah. like mortgage big on it. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It can't, we just don't, we just can't, don't have the capacity to build it, let mm-hmm. alone build the, the windmills and the solar panels, which by the way, you can't do with wind and solar power because you need industrial grade power, which comes from, <laughs> Fossil fuels. <clears throat> when you get enough of them built, Ron. Jeez, when you get enough I, of them built. Anyway, all right. Let, let, let's 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 get, go on to a little happier note. This is okay. uh, from November twenty sixth, Wall Street Journal. Magic pills are coming. Wearable ultrasound machines. So let me read a paragraph. This is from a, a story by Andy Kessler, uh, again Wall Street Journal. Uh, Israeli company. There's a shock called Insight Tech, backed by the uh, Koch brothers, Ron. I know. Uh, has made a helmet with 1,020 acoustic sources that when placed on a shaved head, focuses the ultrasound signals to specific spots on the brain. Patients with Trevor's, including Parkinson's disease, uses MRI uh, to guide focused ultrasound to that specific spot, which it heats to 113 degrees Fahrenheit creating a lesion which miraculously eliminates the tremors with less than a 1% chance of a side effect. Wow. <sighs> wow. So basically what used to be have to be done via brain surgery can now be done by this helmet as an outpatient. Wow. I mean, that, that's the story of medical devices and pharmacy is, you know, uh, preventing or, or obviating the need for invasive surgeries. 
And ready for this? It's devices have been used to perform 20,000 procedures that cost between 18 and $20,000 a pop. Everybody's like, oh, see, there you go. Who can afford that? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Replacing $60,000 electrode <laughs> implantation brain surgery. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they have ongoing trials for things like depression. Obsessive compulsive disorder, Alzheimer's, and even neurodegenerative diseases like ALS. Wow, 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 wow. It's impressive. <laughs> I, you know, I've got a story here. It's called Crystal Ball. It's from The Economist, December 2nd. This kind of is a follow-up to um, what we talked about. They, they, they refer to crystal. Crystal refers to a huge family of compounds. In a paper published in Nature by Google DeepMind, the scientists know of about 48,000 different crystals. Machine learning tool called GNOME, Graph Networks for Materials Exploration, came up with 2.2 million crystal structures, each new to science. I think we talked about this. This is the article mm -hmm. that we talked about. Well, DeepMind collaborated on a second paper with researchers at the University of California in Berkeley and they chose 58 of the predicted compounds and were able to synthesize 41 of them in a little over two weeks. More than 700 other crystals are being produced by other groups. Many thousands of crystals with structural potential, potentially amenable to superconductivity, which will help them with lithium ion batteries and all sorts of other, uh, you know, uses. It, it's just amazing. That's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, they've already developed 41 of these. Mm -hmm. That's really wow. cool. That is really cool. So, and then add this, this <laughs> chin strap penguins, chin strap penguins. And they're from China, I guess. Okay. They sleep thousands of times a day for only seconds at a time. <laughs> Talk about a power nap. Um, <laughs> It's an evolutionary mystery, right? Because sleep, you, you can't defend your territory. You can't flee from danger, right? Um, dolphins and ducks sleep only with half their brain. So they're still, you know, uh, cognizant with the other half. But chinstrap penguins, they take thousands of tiny micro naps. Uh, no, I'm sorry. This is King George Island just off the coast of Antarctica. Uh, they captured 14 penguins, fitted them with electrodes, and figured out that... Um, they only they only use half their brain, but they get between eleven and a half and twelve hours of sleep each day, seconds at a time. The average sleep is uh, from four to ten seconds. It's a heck of well, a power nap. If you're standing around with nothing to do your entire life, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they're weird. They do. They look like they have a chin strap. It's kind of kind of interesting. But anyway, I just thought that was really cool. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, you know. Every time I see penguins, all they're doing is just standing there. Yeah, it's standing it's, there. Yeah. It's, it's or like, or moving in a group some, to some other iceberg or something. Yeah. Uh, it's just, <clears throat> I don't know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so well, there you have it. All right. Well, we're up against our break, Ron. want to remind you, you can get a hold of either of us by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. We love to hear from you, so please do send us those emails with anything that you would love for us to talk about. Uh, we do read any 
reviews that you make of the show on any platform, but we'd love for you to go out to ratethispodcast.com slash TSOE, rate the podcast. Of course, it helps other people find it, and we really, really appreciate that. So if you want to give Ron or I a Christmas present, that's the thing to give us, a uh, rating and a review, even better, a review of the show, which we will read on air. But right now, a word from our sponsors and my employer, Sage. A little birdie told me Voice America is on X. Voice America TRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are back on The Soul of Enterprise. This is the final segment of our final show for 2023. We'll, we will be back with a live show on January 5th. Next week, we're going to be rerunning our interview with Tony Gill. So be ready for, for that one as well. Hope you enjoy that and hope we enjoy the week off. Uh, so Ron, uh, one more thing I want to talk about here, and this is uh, directly affecting me this week. Uh, I am headed up two days after Christmas to visit with my sisters and mom. My mom turns mm. 80 next week. So we're, we're pretty happy about that. Um, unfortunately, one of the things that I'm going to have to do is to drive on the New York State Thruway, uh, which as of November of 2023 has now created automated speed traps. Oh, wow. So not radar enforced with the cops who have to find you, but just they take a radar and then get your license plate and just send you a send, send you a ticket. ticket, send you a ticket. Uh, it was quietly passed in 2021 is finally going in, into effect this year. And th this is like serious stuff. Uh, you can get like even points on your license for this. And here's the thing. There's like three or four of them on one particular parkway that I'm going to be driving on. You, you can and you can get you can rack up three or four of them in one trip. Because they're not like, oh, it's only happened once. Nope, nope, nope. Here you go. 
they need the money, Ed. I know it clearly. So the question though is, is like, uh, what are they going to do for, I, I guess they will track you down in a rental car. Oh yeah. At least for the, for the fee. Cause for, for, for that. Now I don't yes, know if they, they can cut. I don't know if they can come and, and put points on my Texas license. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a, that's that. an interesting question. Yeah, right. that's a good that's a good question. I don't know. Uh, or but, will they go to? Or will they go to my insurance company and say this guy's a a a, a risk, right. for driving? But I I don't you know New York is so messed up. I don't even know if if my insurance company is sold in New York State because <laughs> you know some of them won't won't even won't even open up shop there. So yeah, automated speeding tickets in on Wonderful. Interstate 84 and I 87 in in New York. Yeah, you know how when you rent a car and you go across a bridge or something like a lot of people here at the Golden Gate or whatever, mm-hmm. if you're in a rental car, they they'll track you down. The rental car will just charge it through to you, or right. they'll yeah. find you and mail you the ticket. I mean, my dad was on some private road in I think Houston and got like a two dollar you know charge, uh-huh. and 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 you know it's it's like add 20 if you don't pay it within a certain time for a fine or whatever. So yeah, you're right. going to pay it, but geez, two cost them more than $2 to send the bill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, but that was, that was probably just a toll. It was. Yeah, it right. was. It was totally. Uh, yeah, yeah. th- yep. I'm talking about, you know, this is, so this is a, a, yeah, speeding, is a speeding, speeding violation. Yeah, and, and, you know, I, I just, that's a good question cr- if they can nail your Texas license with points. I, I well, and then, then the other thing I'm going to start doing, I was thinking about this too. Should my strategy to also be to request a rental car with an out of state license plate? <laughs> <laughs> so then it's going to be like this double track down. Track, like, you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think the rental company just turns over everything to them about who rented it, but you know, cause they know exactly when and all that. Yeah. So, or maybe I'll just more. keep us. No, I'd get, get, take a screwdriver with me and switch r- plates on the rental cars with like another <laughs> one next to me. Right. And <laughs> be like the guy in Fargo that <laughs> yeah. drives to the airport and takes yeah. the tag off. The car you know, off. Well, I'll just, I'll just switch. I'll just switch, you know, the, the car park next to me and it's like, okay. <laughs> Or bring your own plate, you know. Yeah, bring yeah, your own plate, put it in there. Yeah. Well. Uh this is great. Well, this is from Gail Pooley, and I think he's uh, quoting uh, a paper from another guy, JK Lund, who I don't know, but they're just talking about, you know, the whole a super abundance topic. And I just mm-hmm. thought some of this stuff was really cool. Knowledge is what makes atoms useful. And they talked, and he also talked about dematerialization. He brought up the great example of the soda can in 1950. It was about 85 grams worth of metal. Today, it's 13 grams. You know, soda cans mm-hmm. used to be just unbelievable. Um, and he talks about every 1% growth in human population saw a 4% increase in personal resource abundance. Knowledge, unlike matter, has no limits. Um, and it, knowledge progress can also can reduce total resource usage. It talks about Americans are using less gold, copper, steel, aluminum, fertilizer, and paper than they did 20 years ago. And and this is the line I really loved, Ed. While Thanos felt obligated to snap his fingers and mercifully dematerialize life to save things, our technology allows us to dematerialize things to save life. Love it. That's a great line. That's a great line. 
Fantastic. So, yeah, I really like that. So good job, Mr. Pooley. Ron, how are how far are you from uh, Nevada County? A uh, few hours. You are, okay, so so because uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but there's there is a uh, a a gold mine in Nevada County that was thought long to be dead. 160 year old Idaho Maryland mine is the name of it. It ran from the 1860s until 1956, has 73 miles of tunnels. And they, but they they think that I guess that they have discovered that there's a new mother load. This is using satellite technology, mm-hmm. uh, you know, penetrating radar or whatever. That like next to this mine, there's another huge hoard of gold <laughs> next to this. And then the big the big question is 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 like, well, this was abandoned. Who still owns this? And the, there's a there's a company on paper that owns it, which is believe it or not, headquartered in, in Vancouver, British Columbia. And they, they want to proceed and re reopen the facility to, and now here's the funny part. Ready? There's a, there's a, a a local group (laughs) that want to protect the, and not allow these, these people to open up the mine again. Right. right. Like the whole mineral King thing. Yep. yep. It's called, it's minewatch.org, I believe. Uh, yeah. So they're like, they have signs up, protect our air and water. Now they think there's a lot of gold here. I'll, I mean, a lot of gold. <laughs> I didn't see what I thought that I had the number on it, but I can't see it when I'm scanning the story. But, uh, oh, $4 billion. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I think the mine's going to reopen. I'm just, <laughs> just saying, Wow. Uh, you know, it's so funny you bring this up. I was uh, reading The Economist, uh, you know, end of the year. They always talk about the books of mm-hmm. the year. And one of them was this con artist from Ghana who is like, nobody knows him. I never rec- didn't know his name or anything. And he swindled people on almost every continent he, by telling them, hey, I know where the gold is and we'll be able to go get it. And you know, I, I went and looked at the book and then I sent it to Greg. I said, Hey, Greg, this book looks really interesting for you guys, you know, at Oh My Fraud to do a show on. He's going to look into it. Uh, but it was said to Greg, it just amazes me how people lose their minds over gold. It's just, all rational thought goes out the window yeah. when, when you mention gold. You know, it's just so, it's comical to me, but I, it's a real thing. Buy gold. No. <laughs> so. All right, Ed. Well, listen, what do we have next week? You said we're doing the best of. Yep. Best of with Tony Gill or rerunning our interview with Tony Gill. Uh, and then we'll be back with a live show on January 5th, which will be our 2023 year in review. The week after that will be our best book show. And then we'll be off to the races and running in 2024. So look forward to that, Ron. Awesome. Well, listen, have a great Christmas. Have a happy new year. And I'll see you in 100. And, well, no, 167. What times? 335, 335 hours. Okay. Close enough. <clears throat> This has been the Soul of Enterprise for the final time in 2023, Business in the Knowledge Economy. Sponsored by Sage. Building experiences that connect, 
remove friction, and deliver insights. Join us in two weeks on Friday at January 5th at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's noon Pacific. In the meantime, please feel free to visit us on the web at www.thesoulofenterprise.com.